Um, one day I just got a random email. Hey, I'm in Belize, and my team backed out. I'm here all by myself. You everything you want me to do? So, uh, so we connected there in Belize. How long was that ago? Five, six, seven years ago? Six or seven years ago. Anyway, so we've been a great friend since then. He's been to Belize a few times. Then, as you know, and now he, now he, come, he just he follows me around. Yeah. It's, it's a little awkward, <laughs> but um, <laughs> anyway, we're super blessed to have him. So, uh. thank you, thank you, Joel, Pastor Joel. Thank you, guys. Man, what an honor! I don't even know how many times now I've been here with you guys. It's got to be four or five, four, fourth time. Thank you for letting me come back and return. Um, and you've met a couple of the other musicians and bands that are a part of what we do. I'll, I'll give you like a one or two minute version of what we do. Um, uh, I'm a part of a missions organization that was birthed out of a rock and roll band. So I started a rock band in 2000 six or five or something and we were touring and the lord started opening doors for us to go places like belize and there was no organization or way for us to raise support to go and do that and so we started a nonprofit so our band could raise the support to go overseas and and by the grace of god over the last just two years ago there was five of us just rock and roll musicians that were part of this organization going into the world and over today there's over 60 full-time people, staff and missionaries that serve in I think seven or eight different countries now. It's awesome to watch God open the door as people respond to the call of God on their life and, and just say, I, you know what, I don't even know what I'm supposed to do, but I'm, I'm willing to go. <laughs> and as we start going, well, we know somebody over here who's desperate for somebody to help them. Will you go over there? And, and just watching God connect the dots has been incredible. And so thank you for your support of a Jesus mission as we go into the world and as we go continuing to live on mission. Um, this is one of my last Sundays here in the Northwest. I live in Vancouver, Washington, so I have a Washington driver's license like all of you, uh, but I'm really close to Oregon there, so I go there to buy anything I need. Uh, but <laughs> we are super excited for what God's doing this summer. Uh, as, as the team of missionaries has grown and shifted and changed, and we've got people going all over, we've started needing to g create opportunities for them to gather. And so actually this morning when I, when I share here, I'm going to share something that we recently discussed as a missions team together because I felt, as I was praying, I just felt like this was the appropriate um, message the Lord wanted me to, to share this morning. But we were gathering all of those missionaries up together for times of encouragement and, and pushing them forward. And so we gathered, we have three rock and roll bands, and they all gathered in San Diego earlier in the year, and we, we spent a whole day talking about how to live on mission as musicians. And then uh, in May, we actually gathered anyone that was serving in the North America region, because we have some people in the Dominican Republic and Mexico and the United States. I don't know why I said that so funny. The United States of America. <laughs> we gathered them all together in Florida, and it was an incredible time of just watching the Lord just knit these people together, realizing that no matter what the method it is we're using, the mission is still the same. And that's, that's really what we aim to champion, is not anything that we do, our bands, our music, any of these things that we're doing are simply methods by which we can proclaim the mission of Christ. He came to seek and save the lost. That's what Luke 19 says. And so our job, as we understand the gospel, and as we respond to the gospel, is to, 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 to share the hope of Jesus with those around us. His mission becomes ours. If we're correctly responding to the gospel, I believe. And so that's what we're doing. And so I'm actually heading out Saturday, I think I leave. Um, we have a house church that has begun through a Jesus mission down in Modesto, California. And that's really awesome. They have like 30 people that gather in a living room and they're just 
people that live in that neighborhood, and we've, we've just a few months ago, they baptized a guy who started coming. He was an atheist, and now he's been baptized in the hot tub in the back. Like, it, it's the body of Christ growing together as they share the gospel. And so I'll be down there for uh, one day to, to be at service with them at the home church next Sunday. I'll be there with those guys, and then I immediately go to um, the Dominican Republic, and I'll be there for two weeks. Um, into town. It's a very touchy button at the bottom. Uh, I'll be in the Dominican for a couple weeks, and then I fly right away to the United Kingdom, and I'll be in Europe for about five weeks, meeting up with the different missionaries, and we'll end it all gathering all of the missionaries from Europe together in southern Germany in August to to just grow together and watch the Lord continue to work. And it has been incredible. So th- I, I give you all of that information to say thank you for helping push us into the world. You guys, um, ever since we've started becoming a part of becoming a part of this church, you're stuck with us. Like Joel said, I'm following him around. We, we feel a part of this church. We, I feel like we're getting to come and, and share what God is doing around the world and the way you guys have supported and helped push us forward in the past is just incredible. So thank you for, for your partnership in the gospel. <laughs> it's, it's incredible to get to work alongside local bodies of believers where they, in their context, but then get to go s- do things globally because of and through and alongside them. So actually the team that's coming to the Dominican Republic I think is actually um, – uh, just uh, uh, a cavalry right up here is joining us in the Dominican to serve in that community. So it's kind of a cool small world. But this morning I wanted to give you just a brief update and tell you what we're about to be doing. But I'm going to dive right into this today because as I was praying about what to share and what I don't, I don't commonly know what you guys are in the middle of studying when I'm coming in as a guest. So I kind of just get to pray about whatever the Lord would would lead us towards and. Um, I really felt compelled to share this teaching that I put together for our missions team. Because as we're gathering this year, we really felt the Holy Spirit leading us to to just kind of reside in and sit in John 15, where, where he talks about abiding, right? Abiding in the vine. And, and how do we do that in all of the different seasons of life and of ministry? Because a lot of the missionaries that, that work alongside us, they some of them are in just fruitful seasons where they're excited, things are going great, the church is growing, and then others are, are having immensely difficult seasons of life. <laughs> immensely difficult seasons. And and so how do we, as believers, especially ones living on mission, and this does not exclude those of us who attend a local church because we are living on mission as well, right here in our communities, amen? And so how do we abide in Christ in those different seasons? How do we stay in Christ, stay rooted in Him when everything else is going on? And so we, we spent our time focusing uh, down in Florida with all those missionaries on how do we abide during success? <laughs> like, how do we stay in Christ in the in the joys of success, but how do we abide in the most devastating moments of weakness? <laughs> how do we abide in the, 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 the Holy Spirit and the way he wants to work in us? And we, we tackled like 10 different things. And what I was tasked with sharing was how do we abide in the gospel? How do we abide in, how do we stay in and be rooted in the good news? <laughs> and I might take this in a strange way this morning, but uh, we're going to read from Romans chapter 3, and I'm going to be reading from the ESV. I'm going to read from verses 19 through 31. And really, what I want us to walk away from here this morning 
with a clear understanding of is that abiding in the gospel means we stop abiding in our own righteousness. <laughs> we stop abiding in our works and our capacities, and we abide simply. We stay in. We rest in. We put all of our hope in the gospel itself. Because the gospel transforms lives, right? It is, it is the good news. <laughs> Euangelion is the word in the Greek, which means literally good message. The good news, the, the, the news that we have been charged with sharing is the best news in the world, right? And so we, if we intend as missionaries or as the local church to, to continue living on mission and see our, our communities come to know Christ, we have to remain rooted in our understanding of the hope of the gospel. <laughs> and that's kind of a... An, not an option for believers who want to see Christ glorified in their neighborhoods. So I'm going to read this, and we're going to dive right in because I have a lot that I feel like I could, we could, we could stay here all for hours, but I, well, I'm going to, he didn't tell me what time you end, so we'll just see where this goes. But Lord, be glorified as we dig into the word today. Lord, would you reveal through your Holy Spirit, begin drawing us towards you and, and help us to see these written words that are, are for the growth of the church today. Help us to apply them. Help us to understand them. Let your Holy Spirit work in our, in our hearts. God, to draw us towards you. Help us to know that when we, we abide and we remain and we stay in the hope of the gospel, we, we have an eternal perspective and we, we, we live our lives differently because of that. So thank you, Jesus. Amen. I could have started anywhere, I could have started at the beginning of this chapter, but in order to condense this, I'm going to start at verse 19. And Paul is writing, and he says this. Oh, three, chapter three, Romans chapter three. Good, good eye, good catch. I was just going to read and make you just search until you found it. Romans three, chapter 19, this is an ESV, and I'm going to read right here. It says, now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, meaning in God's sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. <laughs> but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And are justified by his grace as a gift. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> Whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show... <laughs> This was to show God's righteousness, because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. <laughs> it was to show his righteousness at this present time, so that he might be, ju be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. <laughs> Man. Then what becomes of our boasting? Is it excluded? By what kind of law? By a law of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Or is it God the God of Jews only? Is he not, is he not <laughs> the God of Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also. Since God is one who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. 
Do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. And today, I want us to, this is maybe a strange statement. Uh, as I was even wrestling with putting this together, I was thinking about this. Like, so many times in Scripture, we see that we're to uphold the law. And, and yet, we see that Christ came to abolish the law, right? And yet, we're to uphold it. How, how, is, how does this equate? And so, what I want us to do is to recognize that what... what I'm going to be stick to my notes really carefully, otherwise I'll get excited and, and sidetrack here. But I want us to realize that as we understand the purpose of the law and we understand the goodness of God's law, our relationship with God becomes healthier. <laughs> and we are able to walk in a, in a better relationship with God through the law. And, and, and that's, as we abide in the hope of the gospel, our lives are transformed and we want to walk according to the law. <laughs> we don't do it out of resistance or frustration, but instead we, we live our lives desiring the law of God. <laughs> so I'm going to just dive in and pull some things out of this. God, it says, is the just and the justifier. And I want us to just start with that knowledge, r recognizing that Paul is making the point to say God is just. He, he demands payment for sin, but he also is the justifier. He, his love, his compassion is, is evidenced as he is justifi the justifier, as he sent Jesus, right? So this really, really, church, is a gospel-rich text. The, the gospel is, is pouring out of this text because God has to punish sin, <laughs> and yet he sent Jesus so that we don't have to suffer the consequences of our sin when we put our faith in him. Knowing, this, knowing God's justness uh, changes the way that we should change the way that we live our lives. So I'm going to just kind of dig into this. Faith does not mean that we overthrow the law. Instead, as people walking in faith, we uphold the law. And why, why is that? I, I really want us to, to realize this morning that we uphold the law because our motives are different. Our motives change when we understand the gospel, right? Uh, I'm going to read this verse, Psalms um, 119, verse 7. You don't have to turn there because it's, it's a short one. I'm, but I, I want us to, to understand this. Our motives... An understanding of the law of God, as we understand who he is more and more, changes. This verse says in law, in Psalms 19, starting in verse 7, it says, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. <laughs> I often don't think of the law as something which revives my soul. <laughs> but when we understand the gospel, it says that it revives our soul. <laughs> the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Praise God. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. <laughs> the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. We here, are being, our focus is being drawn to the goodness of the law of God, to the, to the, 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 the way that it brings us life. <laughs> How, oh, I, I meet so many people who say being a Christian, it just means you're just filled with all these rules you have to follow, and your lives are more constrained than anyone else's. <laughs> If we understand the law of God rightly, it, it gives us a love for God. The, the law, in the world's eyes, this is kind of a funny concept. I live in Portland, a pretty ridiculous city, uh, or Portland area down there, and it's a ridiculous city. Everyone wants to be individual and wants to be unique, and they want to resist what they're told to do. The, the world themselves is resistant to the law, right? Because the law says, act this way, do this, be this way. The world wants to be left to do whatever they want. It, they consider that their freedom. 
how funny is it that we are given another level of freedom when we understand the law of God. <laughs> the world wants to be left to do whatever they want. Spe- specifically, I mean, we see it in culture today. They want to be left to do whatever they can and want and desire with their own bodies, with their own sexual activities, right? The, the world is resistant to any sort of, of boundaries or constraints on their lives. They're resistant to that. <laughs> Sinful people resist the law, whereas people with an understanding of the law's purpose live under the law and under the governing, uh, like, rules f- because our understanding of the gospel makes us want to. <laughs> and I'm going to dig into this even more because I know I'm just throwing a ton of stuff out here. But even, I mean, thinking about this, even non-believing society recognizes that those that live outside of the law are hostile <laughs> to the law, right? <laughs> They're hostile to the law, and they must suffer its consequences. We literally have a word for it. We call them outlaws, <laughs> right? The world is, is the one building these laws and by which society must live, and then they themselves are resistant to it because they want, they want to have their freedoms. <laughs> and we, as society, not even Christian society, we label them outlaws. But now... When our perspective changes, when we understand the gospel, when we understand the love of God and how his, his, uh, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul, how do we get to that? How do we get to where it's reviving our soul? Well, I, I believe it's because we look at the law as liberating. <laughs> we recognize that the law itself points us to recognize, even in the beginning of this text, Paul says, the, the law itself points us to our recognition of our sin and the recognition of needing a savior, right? And so from the start, the law is, is pointing us towards the person of Jesus. <laughs> the law is pointing us towards the need we have for Jesus. And accepting Christ and understanding the goodness of the gospel, the, obeying the law becomes a response, not because it's a salvific issue or, or an obligation we have, but it becomes our response as we understand the, the, the boundaries and the joy that we can have as we live within that. And accepting Christ, we have a changed desire within us. Uh, maybe, maybe, that, maybe some of you are like, I don't, I don't have any changed desires yet. <laughs> as we come into deeper relationship with God and as the Holy Spirit draws us, in, in John 16 it says the Holy Spirit's job is to draw us towards God and to convict us of sin, right? As we obey that and we respond to that, our relationship changes with Christ and, and we, we begin to respond and live in accordance with the law of God because it keeps us in a healthy relationship with God. We, we desire, in Matthew 3, 8, it says that we should bear fruit in keeping with repentance and do not presume to say yourself, to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. There's an assumption there that he's, he's addressing. He's saying, when you have been saved, you sh- your life should bear fruits that are in keeping with the repentance that you've, you've, you've made. And so the, the law helps us to do this. Without the law, church, without God's written word, <laughs> and the, the laws that have been given to us, we wouldn't have an understanding of the true weight of sin. Sin crushes us. It destroys us. It's, its purpose, <laughs> the enemy's purpose is our destruction. And sin is, is accomplishing that in our lives. But our recognition of who Jesus is, which comes to us as we understand the goodness of God and the laws of God and how to live in a right relationship with him, that points us to the grace of God. As people, as a church, walking out our daily lives, we should be always looking towards the grace of God, right? 
By knowing the laws of God, church, we begin to see the heart of God more clearly. <laughs> the word of God confronts pretty much everything about me <laughs> all the time. Uh, my a guy who was discipling me when I was like 16, he said, well, the truth will set you free, but first it's really going to make you mad, <laughs> right? Like the, the, the word of God confronts my desires, my natures, my sinful uh, everything. Every, the word of God confronts everything about me <laughs> and points me to knowing that I fall short of the glory of God, but it gives me grace. It gives me, it, it reveals to me the grace of God that comes through relationship with Jesus, right? And so we need to be people that love the word of God more deeply than anyone you know because it, it continues day in, day out, confronting our sin, pointing us to our need for Jesus in which we recognize that Jesus did pay the price for our sins and we have the opportunity to have a right relationship with God. We should be people that love the word of God so immensely. <laughs> and that's kind of what I mean in in stating early on that we should be people that abide in the gospel, <laughs> we should be staying in the gospel, we have the good news written for us right here, and we should be people just fluent in, in its teachings, fluent in what it says. <laughs> when, a, when a missionary goes to another country, they need to be fluent in that language to communicate, right, and to understand what's happening. We need to become a people so fluent in the word of God that we, we speak it, we think it, we don't even, it, it's, it's not something we have to go drudge up and dig through. We, we should know it so well that our lives are an expression of the fluency we have in the gospel in which our lives change. We begin to, to, to abide in the hope of the gospel, abide in the hope of the knowledge of the word of God, or, or the knowledge of Jesus which is revealed to us through the word of God. Hmm. Knowing God's law and responding to that law and living under the law demonstrates to others that we encounter <laughs> that we have a life that has been changed. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not that we're trying to show others how good we are by saying, well, I, I became a Christian so I don't smoke and I don't use foul language anymore and I go to church every Sunday. Like that's what our neighbors often assume being a Christian means. It means we've just curbed our freedoms. <laughs> we've boxed up our freedoms and packed them away, and we're now living in this little church world. That's not what it is. <laughs> living under the law has the opportunity to demonstrate to others that we do have a life that is abiding in and hoping in and resting in and knowing the gospel. Our response to the gospel should be a healthy desire to uphold the law, not one that's done under obligation, not a, not a response that says, oh, I'm a Christian, I have to do this. We should want, we should want to live in right relationship with God because the fullness of joy that we're missing out on when we're not walking in right relationship with God, church, is, is astounding. <laughs> My dad, he passed away a few years ago, and he was a believer his whole life. He had been a believer since he was a little kid. They taught me the gospel. They taught me to be a, a follower of Jesus from a young age. But he always struggled with anger. <laughs> His whole life, he would always get really angry, really easy, and, and just frustrated. And, and he never, ever would submit that to Christ. And, and I say that knowing my dad really well and knowing, like, I had so many conversations with him about it where we would be talking and he's just, like, he would hold on to this. Like, well, well, they wronged me, and, they, and he would just hold these grudges, right? He had a relationship with Jesus, but because he wasn't applying that, that liberating truth, <laughs> that, that, holding on, that he wasn't letting the Word of God confront that area of his life, right? He wasn't walking in the fullness of joy that he could have had. And instead, he lived his life a prisoner to this little bit of anger. I believe he's in heaven. He's worshiping God for all eternity. I don't doubt his salvation, but what I do see 
and have a, what I did observe was that he lived a lot of his life without the fullness of joy that he could have had because he wasn't allowing the word of God to, to, to confront some of those areas of his life. As the church, if we want to be living in joy, walking in right relationship with God, we should want to submit those areas of our life that the word of God confronts to him. And we will, we will experience joy. <laughs> we'll, experience, we'll experience a hope and a joy that comes not from the works we're doing, <laughs> but by living in right relationship with God. I, I was thinking about how to kind of put this, this into an example and into a perspective or give perspective to this. And I'm, in a, I'm married. I've been married for 15 years. And my wife and I, we dated when we were in high school and she broke up with me a bunch. And then we got back together and then she broke up with me and we got back together. And then I ended up, obviously we're married. We just passed our 15-year anniversary. And I, I was thinking about how in any healthy relationship, there's joy that comes from submitting to the governing laws of that relationship, <laughs> right? Um, living within a relationship's governing laws, not only does it bring joy into your life, but it shows a respect and a love for the other person. <laughs> and it's, it's a, oftentimes, it's a sacrificial love for the other person by staying within the boundaries of not even just what Christians have established as a healthy relationship, but what the world sees as a healthy relationship. For example, um, loving Sarah and committing, making a covenant with Sarah to, to be with her until, uh, until death do us part means that I've compromised some freedoms that I have l the right to, right? In the world's eyes or even in, in my eyes, by committing to be with my wife until we die means that I've compromised certain liberties for the sake of the health of that relationship. <laughs> if if her and I both abide in the mutual understanding of the boundaries that have been established for the sake of expressing our covenant to one another, <laughs> then it, that's an expression of my love. Does that make sense? Uh, uh, like a, a really practical example would be the world says you should be able to do whatever you want with your body. Well, when I make a commitment to my wife, we, we determine at that point in entering into that covenant that we're not going to have sex with anyone else, right? We've made a covenant and a commitment, and by living within that, the, the, the covenant, the guidelines of that covenant, our relationship can stay healthy. <laughs> in the same way, when we understand the covenant we've entered into with God and the grace that he's had and the price that he paid for us, and we, make a, we, we desire to live in right healthy relationship with God by obeying the word of God, by staying in the word of God, we are given parameters with which we can have a healthy, growing, joyful, hope-filled, gospel-filled relationship with God. <laughs> and so we should be people who are doing that. We follow the laws of God as an expression of our love for God. <laughs> God's word wasn't given to us, church, to disqualify us from relationship with God, <laughs> but to point us towards a good relationship with God, to point us towards right relationship with God. <laughs> he, he passes over, in that text it says he passes over our former sins, right? He passes over them in his divine forbearance. <laughs> in, his, in his love, he looks over the sin that we've had if we are in relationship with him. <laughs> We've been restored to God through Christ. <laughs> Praise God. 
and the and and part of this text. There's so much I, I feel like I could keep talking about. I'm trying to select which few things I can pull, point out here. Um, coming to God through the law, like building our relationship with God by accomplishing the, the, the things that he commands of us would give us something to boast about. <laughs> but all of us fall short, right? It says here, all of us have fallen short, and we don't have anything to boast about but Jesus Christ. We have nothing to boast about but the person of Christ. And if we... Are abiding in the gospel, if we're remaining in the hope of the gospel, we don't have to keep putting our hope on our own works and our own accomplishments. (laughs) When we put our focus onto the works that we accomplish, we've shifted the focus off of what Jesus did and onto what we're doing. (laughs) And this, when I prepared this talk or, or teaching, I was, I was thinking about this through the lens of, of missionaries living overseas. And so I want to I give you a little of what I, what I put down here for those, those guys. It's easy for those of us in ministry to look at our response to the gospel and the way we live our lives on ministry, the way we respond, the way we go overseas as, as an expression of our response to the gospel, right? And it's easy for us to get caught up in what we're doing instead of abiding in the hope of the gospel itself. What the things we're doing as missionaries or as the church is and always should remain a response to the gospel, not something we're doing because we're trying to be better Christians. <laughs> we're not, we're, it, it's too easy for us when we do that to put our hope in the things we're accomplishing or doing, even as a church. I've watched so many of my friends who pastor churches start naming the things that they're doing as a church instead of talking about what Jesus is doing in their lives. And, and the, I want to phrase this right. When we put our hope in what we're doing, we're putting our hope in a temporary capacity instead of an eternal identity <laughs> that we have in Christ. We, as believers, so quickly start to put our accomplishments into a basket and say, this is, this is what I can do. This is the thing I have a skill set for. As a musician, the perfect example is me going and playing rock and roll around the world. I, for years, traveled playing rock concerts, and I'd jump around. You'd load the trailer. You unload the trailer. You jump around. You unload the trailer. You load the trailer. You sleep on a floor. You jump around. You, it's like constant. As soon as I turned 30, that became a lot harder. <laughs> It was really easy to do that in my 20s, and I could say, look at how many people have come to know Christ because of this concert we did. Uh, if, if, I, if my identity remained in my capacity to be a missionary because of the, what I knew how to do in playing rock and roll, that, that capacity, as it diminishes, <laughs> my, my joy in what I'm accomplishing has, has the, the potential to dissipate. Does that make sense? That I, I see a lot, of, a lot of slow nods, but you and I, as believers in Christ, our boasting needs to be in Christ and not in what we can do as, as the church. <laughs> not in what we can do for his glory, but rather just let him get the glory for what he's already done on the cross. <laughs> let him get the glory because our eternal, uh, eternal identity when it's secured in the person of Jesus Christ is, is a lot more of something we can put our, is more of something we can put our hope in than our temporary capacities. Temporary capacities and the, the skills that you have to, to serve God can be taken from you. <laughs> one, one broken limb and you can't do the thing that you've done before. One 
aging body and you can't accomplish the thing that you've done before for, for Christ, right? And so as missionaries, it's easy for the people that we send and that we work alongside to, to put all this hope in what they know how to do as the means by which they can go. And that's not what God's called us to do. God's called us to just respond, obey, share the hope of the gospel, put our trust in him, boast in him, and use the things we know how to do to, to push that forward. <laughs> because those things will change. <laughs> they'll, they'll shift. Hmm. And maybe I'll begin to wrap up with this. In thinking about how those capacities to do the work of the gospel are, are limited by our <laughs> frail human bodies and existences, um, if we are putting our hope in what other people say or the encouragement that other people can give or what even are sending churches. I, I'm working with a lot of missionaries. Some of their sending churches have said, you, you don't have any capacity to do that. You shouldn't do that. Or some of them really overinflate them and say, you should really do this. You know how to do this really well. And then they get to the missions field, and that doesn't function the same way on the missions field as it does back in their home church. And all of a sudden, their, their, their feeling of being called just begins to fade <laughs> because they've put their hope in what other people have said they can do for the sake of the gospel instead of putting their hope in the gospel itself. Church, if there's anything that I can just impart to you or, or I hope that you take away from this morning, it is that if we as the church expect to have and hope to have a healthy, growing relationship with God, which does impact our communities and draws people towards Christ, we can't be people focused on anything other than the hope of the gospel. The hope of the gospel. <laughs> the, the, the gospel itself, the good news, the word of God given to us is something we can stand on because it is not temporal. <laughs> it does not fade away. Its capacity to confront sin does not change as the ages go by. It, our capacities and our abilities do, but the word of God does not. And so church, my encouragement to you as people living on mission here in Edmonds, Washington, or whatever neighborhood you live in, or going into your jobs, be people who put your hope in, in, the, in the word of God, in the, in the gospel itself. Be people transformed by the gospel. That is how we will we'll have sustainable joy <laughs> as we walk through our lives, through the ups and downs. This morning, one of our... Um, the pastors that works with the Jesus Mission, he was going down to uh, serve at a church in Portland, and, and his car broke down, and he's had, he called me. He's like, I'm not going to make it to that church I'm supposed to be at. Like, we're, th there's so many things fighting against us, right? <laughs> so many things that come up, sound issues or car issues, all of these things. When we, as the church, become sidetracked or, or, or uh, focused on those things instead of just the simple truth of the gospel— we're going to become discouraged. But when our hope is abiding in the gospel itself, we will, we will walk in joy. <laughs> Not like a cheesy joy. We will walk in literal joy when we understand the gospel. And so, church, if there's anything I can encourage you in, like I said, just be people rooted in the word of God. And I'm, I, that's, that's kind of the bulk of what I wanted to share with you this morning. I know there was a lot of, I kind of just threw a ton of content at you from this text. But Romans chapter 3, to me, and pointing us to the to to be people submitting to the wor word of God and the rule of God <laughs> is something that can give us freedom beyond anything the world understands. <laughs> the world looks at our curbing of our liberties and says, "Wow, your life must be miserable." <laughs> Meanwhile, they're resisting the law in itself, and we're able to walk in a healthy, growing relationship with the Creator of the universe. 
this morning. I don't know your stories. I don't know who you are. I don't know where you've come from. I know some of you guys, but if you're in this room and you're saying, Andy, I don't have the joy that comes from walking with, uh, walking under that law that you speak of, it's, it, it might be because you, you don't have a relationship with God. <laughs> and, and I don't want to, we're going we're gonna to sing a couple songs and respond to the gospel here. But if you're in this room and you say, Andy, I've never, I've never acknowledged the gospel. Maybe I know it. <laughs> you might have heard it a million times. But at the end of the day, Romans 10.9 says, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, then we'll be saved. That's, that's, that's the hope that we have. And so if you're in this room and you're saying, I don't have that relationship with Jesus that you seem to get so jacked up about, then it's, it's available to you. If you are a person who believes that the God who created the universe <laughs> sent his son to die on a cross to reconcile the broken relationship that you and I have with God because of sin, <laughs> which all of us are sinners, and Romans 3 says we've fallen short of the glory of God. <laughs> all you have to do today. We're not going to do some weird altar call or something. I'm just going to say, all you have to do is call out and say, God, I know I'm a sinner and I need you. I repent of my sin <laughs> and I want to follow you. I want to be in a relationship with God. And, and God will restore that relationship by grace, <laughs> not of something we accomplish, through faith <laughs> in the person of Jesus Christ. And as we sing songs and we respond to the gospel in this way, by singing and declaring the truth of God, the song we're going to sing first just says, Gee, yeah, you guys can come because I think I'm almost done. I'm going to pray and... I don't know what you do next, but we're going we're gonna to sing some songs. The song we're going to sing says Jesus at the center of it all. If you call out to Jesus, you are saved. <laughs> and, and your joy can be found in the word of God. So, Father, thank you for your goodness, for your mercy. God, if anyone in this room has not called out to you, I, I'm, I, I pray that they would do so right now, just recognizing they're a sinner fallen short and that they need you. Jesus, be glorified as we sing and as we respond to the word of God. Thank you for the, the law that you've given us, which allows us to be in right, healthy, established relationship with you by grace, through faith. Thank you for your son. In your name we pray. Amen.